welcome to Game Breaking Feature, the podcast where we analyze and discuss common elements of modern video game design and development. My name is Stephen Bennett, and in this episode, we'll be talking about seasonal events. From time to time, games honor the festivities and traditions of popular holidays, but is it all gumdrops and candy canes? We'll get to the bottom of it, but first, proud pied April, dressed in all his trim, hath put a spirit of youth in my good friend Jared Bruner. Jared, that might be the doing? most pretentious intro we've ever done. A little bit. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good timely reference, though. I was I was really hoping we would start including more Shakespeare into our gaming podcast. <laughs> you know, um, it's really All hot. Right. On now, now be honest. Did you know that was Shakespeare, or did you have to Google it? I, I had to Google it. I, so did at I. At first, I thought maybe it was some <laughs> some just yeah, that was my birthday gift that you gave to me. Um, well, I wrote, you, like a, a I wrote you a poem. sonnet. Yeah. <laughs> um, imagine. Imagine no, my I, disappointment when I found out you plagiarized it. Well, and I, what I got you was actually even worse, which was nothing for your birthday. <laughs> so enjoy that. <laughs> I'm just, I'll, I'll pretend like you, you thought of me when you wrote that. Mm-hmm. And Jared. Yes. Now is the winter of our discontent. Made glorious summer by a great guest on this episode. <laughs> if, I can, if I can just interject more Shakespeare into this. He's a host on the Spawn on Me podcast and the Discovery Debrief podcast. Please welcome the Baron of Bourbon. Cicero Holmes. Cicero, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, thank you very much. I, like, I, 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 I want to come up with some Shakespearean term terminology uh, to to kind of complement everything, but I, you know, I don't have any other than uh, Cicero w- was in Julius Caesar. So um, there you yeah. go. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, so okay. So the this line. The you know now is the winter of our discontent. I didn't have to look that one up. It's a pretty common one, obviously. Uh, Richard the yeah. Third. The the end of that sentence. So now is the winter of our discontent. Made glorious summer by, and then the original line is this son of York. And I was gonna try to like work in this son of New York. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah, but go. then it got a little too word. And then got a little too wordy. So I just <laughs> right, I, I left yeah. it where it was. That's, no. that's, it's it's fair. It's fair. I I love where you, where you've. Uh, You've taken it, and uh, as Americans are want to do, we've, we've taken uh, proper English prose, and we've thrown 22s <laughs> on it. So, uh, well done. Well done. I like Well, it. thank you. Thank you. And, and again, thank you for being here, man. Um, it's my pleasure. You were just at uh, C2E2, right? I was. I was at the Chicago Comics and Entertainment Expo. Uh, How was hosted, it? Hosted by Reed Pop. It was, it was glorious. It's, it's always glorious. Um uh, Reed Pop is gracious enough to uh, bring me in there as a press member, so uh, I'm able to uh, take some time and and uh, find some really really interesting people to talk to uh, to bring to uh, Spawn on Me and uh, and one of my favorite things to do is to actually compile and produce uh, my C2E2 episode every year. So uh, this year was is going to be no different. Right on. Now, now, were you there? You mean, do you go there, like strictly for business, or are you also you there as a fan as well? Like, what what's the big what's the big draw of C two E two for you? Well, I mean, so I, man, so it is the business of being a fan. I guess would be uh, the the right answer. That's a good way um, to say it. <laughs> and you know, it's it's uh, I'm I am there to work, um, but it doesn't mean that I'm not having fun while I'm doing it. Um, and that, you know, that's the important part, uh, is if you can, if you can do work, if work is fun, you'll do it for nothing. And I'm definitely doing this for nothing. So <laughs> I know it, the feels. It, right. So it is, uh, 
it is you know it really is a pleasure to to get out and and network and and press the flesh and and meet some people that are are uh as we as we say in spawn on me in spawn on me land uh Bricagoans, you know the portmando that we that we've uh, coined between brooklyn and chicago and uh so yeah those Bricagoans that are out there and and stop me and say hello and that kind of stuff so that's great and but but meeting all of the artists, uh, you know, I'm a fan of great art and and uh, people that are putting out uh, really rich content, especially if they're marginalized folks, so that we can evangelize the, the work that they're doing. Um, this year, uh, last year, I was able to get a lot of people that a lot of people have heard of before um, on the show, and and in years past, I've been able to do that. This year, not as much. Um, but the, I saw you. The, I saw you reaching out to like Phil Lamar on yes, uh, on yes, Twitter. Yes, and I, yes. I was like, I was really hoping you'd be able to get him. Any any luck on that? Yeah, one? no, no. And uh, you know, and the 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 tough thing is that you, you know you try and you, you try and talk to their people uh, behind the scenes, and and you know sometimes you get responses, sometimes you don't. Um, and then at the show proper, uh, it gets really really tough because those guys are you know they're out there making money. So, you know, they're oh, signing yeah. autographs, they're doing a lot of stuff. And and the bigger you are, the more difficult it is for, you know, the 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 the, the greater the, your breadth of uh, diverse characters and, you know, diverse work, uh, the more likely you're going to hit different fandoms. So that means your line is going to be longer as a result. And uh, and his was a long line. So it was it was difficult to to uh get to him um but you know i'm like a dog with a bone man uh i am not going to give up and uh we will definitely have phil lamar on the show at some point in the future that's a that's a good mentality people might not know this but jared and i actually both used to work for ups so i i I, Ah. at least i personally at least i personally kind of feel a connection to him with that uh from mad tv his ups UBS guy hey oh Hey, such a good character. I was pulling. I was. I was really pulling for that one. So yeah, if you eventually get him on, that'll be dope. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We are. uh, We are. We are definitely trying to do that. We will have very soon the original voice of NBA Jam. Oh, Tim Tim Kitslow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, and if you're if you get a chance to listen to our C two E two episode, he's. He's uh, definitely going to be prominently featured on on that episode. Speaking of Spawn on Me, uh, yes, people who listen to this show know that it's one of my my favorite podcasts. I evangelize Thanks, for man. it uh, as often as I can on here. But how, how did you get started with with Spawn on Me? Uh, you're one of the founding members, correct? Yeah, yeah. So it was you know me and me and Ka, um, you know, five years ago, you know, launch day PS4, uh, Twitch integration. I wanted to see what the Twitch integration was all about. I didn't get a launch PS4. I was getting a launch Xbox One. Um, and uh, this guy happened to be streaming NBA 2K, whatever it was that particular year. And uh, I, and he had a few hundred people watching. So I was like, oh, man, you know, let me check it out. And he was playing. He was playing and interacting. He was really cool and was interacting with, with, the, uh, with the, the community really well. Um, but he was also playing as my favorite team, the New York Knicks. So it, it, it really made it easy for me to stick around and, and kind of interact with him. Uh, and I checked his bio and the bio said something about the spawnpointblog.com. 
And uh, I went and checked that out and saw what was going on there. And it was like, oh, man, this guy's, you know, he's he's out there and he's he's writing for about video games. This is really awesome. Uh, let me hit him up and see if he's looking for people to to add to his group of writers. Uh, little did I know the group of writers was all were all named Khalif Adams. Um, and, <laughs> and 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 uh, Cod said, "Hey, you know, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, he, he gave me a call. So you know, we can talk for fifteen minutes, and the fifteen minutes turned into two hours. Uh, and then was like, hey, you know, send me a writing sample. And I wrote an article that was my very first article on the uh, on the SpawnPointBlog.com, and and our friendship and our bond began." Uh, and about a month later, uh, you know, as we were sitting around talking about different articles and stuff, uh, we both kind of said, I, you know, I've been thinking about doing a podcast and starting a podcast. And, you know, part of the reason that we wanted to start it is because we felt like a lot of the conversations and podcasts were lacking nuance, you know, that there was a lot of dude, this sucks, um, you know, not taking not doing the things that you guys are doing here at Game Breaking Feature and, and you know, taking subtle issues within within games and really breaking those down and 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 dissecting them almost you know almost to an academic level uh while still having fun and the other thing that that definitely wasn't happening uh was that voices like ours uh you know voices that are marginalized people of color um and their perspectives weren't being spoken about within within uh video game podcasting space and in the gaming space in general um so we we you know we definitely sought to to change that um, and uh, bring you know not only not only those you know a sonic difference to the the way discourse is happening around in and around games, uh, but also to uh, bring bring a level of of diff- a different flavor of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, to the games, to the games conversation, and then also if we had the ob- ability uh, to spotlight people of color within the industry, so that so that others know about who they are, because you know we didn't know, yeah. we only knew a, f- a handful of people, and mm-hmm. you know we wanted that handful to grow into something else, and I think we've been pretty successful at doing that. Yeah, you guys have been doing great. And did you say you guys have been doing it for five years? Yeah, yeah, we started. Uh, um, you know, the, so what, the PS3, Xbox, uh, PS4, Xbox one launched in 2012, 2013, 2012. God, it's been like that, that long <laughs> time. Yeah. Time blitzes by man. Right. Yeah. So, we, uh, we, started we just, we it, just hit, we just hit our one year and, uh, I was curious if you had any, any advice for how to keep a podcast going for that long. Keep showing up. Just keep, keep showing, showing up. up. Keep showing up. Uh, that's you know that's the easiest way to that's keep fair. it going. Um, keep showing up. It, it, there there are going to be times where it uh, it seems real tough. There are going to be a lot of times where you feel like you don't want to do this anymore. Um, there are going to be a lot of times where you guys come to creative differences um, where where it it feels like uh you know this is I'm this I'm is, ready to fire Jared at the drop of a hat. Right, right. One, I'm, one I'm disagreement. On. He's, he's, yeah, out, right. he's out of in line over here. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> I got, I got, um, I got people in the wings waiting. Right, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's you know, keep showing up. Uh, there are definitely going to be ebbs and flows, um, but there, there is going to be 
when when you feel like you're at your lowest point, you're gonna have an episode that you'll you'll record and feel good about, and then listen to it in the playback, and and then realize, oh man, this is why I do this every you know every two weeks. This is this is what makes this so much fun. Yeah, you know, just keep finding the fire, and and you know, and if that fire goes out. Don't be afraid to say, all right, we've done what we set out to do. We don't know that we can do it anymore. And, and you know, and let's, let's kind of go out on top and that there's no shame in that. Right on. Well, hopefully we're, hopefully we're not exactly there yet. Right. Well, hey, no, you, no, man, the fire uh, is still burning. Burn uh, that eight, fire. Eight burn, minutes, baby, eight burn. Eight minutes into this podcast. And Jared, I think we've, uh, we've peaked. Time to get out right. of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sisto is right. I'm going to go outside. Right, didn't, even, right. didn't even finish the episode. Right. God bless you. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> so, Cicero, with, with Spawn on Me, have, you, have yeah. you accomplished everything that you wanted to accomplish on that show? Or is there still, like, what, what does the future hold for you? What, do you? what are you still trying to do with Spawn on Me that you haven't done yet? Well, um, you know we haven't gotten to the point where we've got a booth at E3, you know? So like, I, I honestly believe that content and quality wise, we're, we're just as good as all of the big boys that are out there. And, and, and the fact is that people just, you know, we don't have the, we don't have the reach and we don't have the exposure that, uh, you know, that the bigger guys have. Um, and it, you know, it's no, no knock against them or, or, uh, you know, or some slight towards, uh, their ability or, um, you know, calling sour grapes, but we've, you know, we've had to go out there and we've just had to, to grind. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm here to continue to grind so that we can be out there and we can garner the respect that I think we de- deserve. How do I say that without sounding like a... No, no, uh, you, you know, you like... You say that. <laughs> like, yeah, and you guys absolutely do deserve. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, it, it really is... It is a constant and persistent grind to continue to, to not only make our show uh, sound better, tweak it, but, uh, you, know, a continu- you know, a continuation of going out there and doing what we're doing to make sure that we can reach more, you know, more and more people. Uh, because we feel like we have something important to say, something important to add to the discourse. Yeah, and I don't, I don't care. If, I don't care if people are tired of hearing me say it, but everyone that listens to this show should definitely go listen to Spawn on Me. And I'll say it again at the end of the episode, just <laughs> <Thank> to <you. laughs> just to put a period on it, because the show's damn good. Right. Um, well, well, if I if I may ask a question, sure. Uh, what what makes Spawn on Me so damn good? Well, so I, I think I might have brought this up in the episode with Khalif. I had listened to a lot of video gaming podcasts for a long time. I was listening to, uh, I mean, back in the day, it was like Weekend Confirmed and Joystick and IGN right. and then uh, DLC podcast. And so I like I'd kept up with a lot of podcasts and I think it was the episode. Yeah, it was the episode you guys had with Austin Walker. He had, nice. he had like tweeted out he was going to be on the show. Um, and I was like, you know, what, I'll, I'll give this a listen. And like, even just listening to that one episode, I realized there was like a a piece of the conversation around video gaming that I was missing Mm -hmm. from listening to these like primarily white, primarily male led podcasts. Right. Um, And I mean, part of it too was, was like, I started to kind of be more conscious of social, like a lot of social issues, especially after 
uh, the last election. Like, I, I don't, I, I, I hate to be that, like, you know, that like woke white guy, you know, but, but there was, you know, that, that definitely like opened up something inside of me where I was like, shit, there's like some, there's some real issues, the video game space, especially, you know, a, a community and an art form I'm passionate about is right. a little messy. It's got to get cleaned up. And like, there's a part of that conversation that was missing from these other podcasts that I've been listening to that I found in spawn on me. So that's why like every opportunity I get, I'm encouraging people to take a listen. There's, there's, there's one thing that I always say on the show is that, uh, you know, I, I do consider video games to be art in, in a lot of cases. And right. I think a lot of people share that sentiment, but people seem to have issues when you start to criticize games in the way that art is also criticized. And I right. think that if you want video games to be that legitimate piece of uh, media or entertainment, you should be receptive to the same types of criticism. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously we couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, and, and again, it's, it's not a slight to the DLCs and and the IGN, you no, know, no. Uh, body, of course community not. I love podcasts. This, I, right, I, love I, I love them too. Right, I love them too. Jeff Kanata is a great friend, uh, friend of ours, and and uh, uh, we've had several people from IGN on on the show, and and uh, you know, we love them. I still listen to them every week, um, mm-hmm. and and there there absolutely isn't anything wrong with that. It, but but there is something to be said about. Like, hey, oh, yeah, there there is this part of the conversation that is missing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and maybe I wasn't even aware of it. And in fact, uh, I mean, that was kind of I had this uh, a very similar awakening before we started the show uh, where uh, I was listening to I think it was podcast unlocked and there was someone on the show who was talking about Loco Roco or Loco Cycle or there was some launch you know launch window xbox one game where there was a mechanic who was repairing a motorcycle and the motorcycle was sentient and was you know carrying the motor you know carrying this mechanic like dragging him behind him and the mechanic could only only speak spanish and you know blah, blah 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 and the guy was like yeah that game is racist as hell and and you know that was the moment that was the light bulb moment for me where i was like oh yeah shit it it, it really is like and you know shame on me for not even thinking about that not you know not even thinking about how just obnoxious this this mechanic is you know this this thing that they're doing for comedy um I think for a long time, like that, those ideas don't even enter people's brains when they think right. about video games. And it's right. like, well, you should, right. because it's definitely yeah. like saying something. So you should yeah. be paying attention. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and it's one of those things where like, you know, I've, I've said this often for, for, you know, for a long, long, long time. Like it's ignorance. You know, a lot of people say ignorance is a bad word, but ignorance being ignorant is, is not necessarily bad. It's when you're brought to face your ignorance what you choose to do next is where is where you really become mm-hmm. ignorant you know yeah so so and that's the thing is like oh this thing is kind of problematic uh, am i going to change mm-hmm. the way that i think as a result of knowing that or am i going to continue to put my head in the sand so uh, and you know and a lot of people choose to put their head in the sand because it's easier you know if there's anything that people know if anything worth getting and striving for in this world is not going to be easy. So uh, we, you know, we chose to 
to sometimes steer into controversy and we, you know, we try to do the heavy lifting. Well, I appreciate it. And, and again, go listen, go listen to spawn on me. Yeah. And spawn on me is just one of the podcasts you host. You also are a host on the discovery debrief podcast. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what, what that show's about? Are you guys Star Trek fans? Unfortunately, no. It's one of the oh. sort of the blind spots in my nerd culture. Yeah, hey, that's I, okay. I've watched about half of the next generation, but I haven't really gotten into I haven't seen the the new one at all. Are you uh Game of Thrones fans? Are you like fans of new modern day fantasy sci fi? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've been watching then, the expanse recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then I would uh, man, so I would I would definitely recommend watching discovery because you don't need to have you don't need to be a star trek nerd to uh to watch discovery you do however have to pay cbs money in order to watch this yes so that may you know like that could be the impediment like that could be the thing that says all right well you know i can i can miss the show um but but it is it is a really good show the 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 writing in the show is really is really great the stories are are superb and the effects, um, you know, there's there's a lot of money on the screen, and it shows. If uh, there are any fans out there that do watch Discovery and you're looking for a recap show to listen to, please check out Discovery Debrief. The, now, the season is over, but we are still going. Uh, we're delving deep into some of the books that have come out as a result of the, the show. Oh, nice. Uh, there, are several, there are several books, actually. Uh, so we've already done a review of one of the books. We're doing a review of another one of the books really soon. Um, and actually right now uh, in our feed is our season one, our season one recap two parter featuring um, my spawn on me brother, uh, Mr. Sharif Jackson. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're doing those. And I think, so we're going to do a review of the second book from, from into this discovery world. And then after that, I think we're going to have the author of that book on the show. Oh, awesome. So, yeah, that's tight. So, yeah. So uh, I've been on, like, on a sci-fi TV kick recently, so nice. I'll probably have to check that out. Nice. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, uh, I've actually been on a sci-fi podcasting guesting kick recently. <laughs> uh, so I've done uh, two, two Star Trek related uh, guest, guest appearances recently. And a guest appearance um, for a show talking about Rod uh, Rod Serling oh, nice. television shows. So um, I think that'll be out really soon as well. Um, so yeah, I've uh, I've really really stepped up my nerd cred. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent like the last thirty seconds trying to come up with some sort of segue to talk about the seasons of. Star Trek and segue that into our topic about seasonal events, but I, instead I'm just going to use <laughs> this, a awkward, good try. this awkward transition. <laughs> seen, sure. This is why this is why I shouldn't have a microphone because these are the things that like come naturally to like talented people, and I'm here just saying what like what I was trying to do for thirty well, seconds. Don't you know, worry, I'll, I'll fix is, it all in post. Okay. What, what, yeah. What happens? What happens in TV though is they do have seasonal events. Like uh, in fact, uh, one of the guest shows that I was on was called Random Trek, where we take a they take a uh, random episode of Star Trek throughout the universe, uh, the the entire franchise, and uh, and we we talk about that particular episode. And the episode that I talked about was called Night Terrors, and that Night Terrors episode was a seasonal event. It was their Halloween special, 
So there you go. We can talk about see, seasonal there, events. Seasonal. See, all right. And see, Cicero's the professional here. He's been doing. He's been doing this a long time. He's way better than I. Am. <laughs> you're gonna fire me? Right, right. I know. Right. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Cicero. Thank you for keeping us uh, on track, Jared. I'm here to help. On track. Uh, oh, oh, I see what right. you did there. All right, now you're definitely fired, <laughs> Jared. What's the uh, what are the origins of seasonal events? In oh man, video I'm games? so excited about this topic. Usually, it was the PC gaming space that had seasonal events. Several games they had little Easter eggs here and there. Like one of the earliest ones that we could find was Number Munchers from you know the late '80s. Uh, apparently, if you played in any time from December 1st to December 25th, if you if you booted that game up, uh, you would be wearing a little Santa hat. That only kind of worked if you had, you know, the the OS that tracked the date and time is working off the internal clock on that. It's so it's so like quaint to think about the fact that there was a time when it was like special if your computer could track the day and time you were playing. I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was there was a top down shooter called Crusader No Remorse. I had not played this game, but I, I looked it up. This game. I it this looks game. super cool. Like the art yeah. looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. The box art on that game was was spectacular. Mm hmm. Um, it was an MS-DOS-based game, but it featured a bonus level if you opened the game on Christmas Day. I didn't just, actually look into the, the bonus level, that. Steve. Did you... Yeah, what was a, the... It's a boss. It's basically a boss rush. You start fighting, I think it's like 20 of the last boss of the game, but you're equipped with all of the all of the weapons. Oh. So it's basically just like a just-go-nuts kind of level on Christmas Day. Nice. Hmm. You don't know Jack, the 1995 release had specific lines if you opened it up on certain days, like, for example, like on Elvis's birthday. What, what, what is what is the guy's name? Cookie Masterson. Cookie Masterson. Well, yeah. see, back at, Cookie hasn't always been the host of that game, I don't think. Oh, no? Uh, uh, he has been for for a while. I mean, these, these games these games still do this, I'm sure. Like, if you fire it up on Christmas, I'm sure it makes fun of you for... Not spending yeah. <laughs> time with your family or something. Right. And then I think we, get, we kind of start moving into something that, like, when we started talking about this, this is what I thought about uh, Ultima Online. It was one of the earliest MMOs. It was conceived by Richard Garriott and is probably one of the first MMOs, at least the, one, the ones that went mainstream where a lot of people were, were super into. It started in 1981 with Ultima 1, the first Age of Darkness, as mentioned, which we brought up in episode 24, Character Creators. Uh, it was partially designed as a social technological experiment to see if this kind of game was even possible, but people were, were super into it. So Before Ultima, there had been a few of these sort of like, not kind of more like Second Life, I think, where it's just sort of like a big social space. Um, well, there was there was a few um, MUDs, I think it was. I think that's yeah. what you call them, mm -hmm. where it was just like text, but they were like MMOs, but they, they were all they were all connected. Yeah, exactly. So, so Ultima was sort of like these different sort of like existing things coming together at one point. Uh, Cicero, were you an Ultima fan? When we talked about it in the last episode, we weren't really sure like who the Ultima audience was. Like, I know they're right. out there because they've made a ton of the games uh, and Ultima right. Online <laughs> persisted for a long time. But um, I don't know anyone who plays Ultima. I knew people that did, but I didn't know myself. You know, so I was a weird PC player. I played PC games in the 80s, and most of the PC games that I played were flight sims. So it was like Microsoft Flight Simulator and then all of those combat flight simulators that came out. I was console and PC at that time, and then I went strictly console um, for all of that stuff and left all of my PC working to actual work. 
so yeah, so there wasn't a lot of Ultima for me, or there was no Ultima for me. Um, but I definitely did talk to people who played that and EQ and and um, you know those games, but uh, none none for me. Yeah, I was primarily a, a console gamer uh, around that time as well, just because usually I, I was young. I didn't have the funds to build a, a super nice computer to run that stuff. I right. I played the the Windows ski game where I was just trying to avoid the Yeti for five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did have friends who played Ultima online. I actually remember the very first time I, I heard, even heard of a seasonal event was I was watching over my buddy's shoulder and he logged in to do a daily or something. And I was like, dude, is that Christmas tree always there? And he's like, no, no, that's just for, that's just for the holidays. And I think they actually called it the non-denominational holiday tree. <laughs> so oh, yeah. I, was like, I was like, this is awesome. Um, and that kind of like blew my mind. I was like, I didn't even know that video games could do such a thing. Well, yeah, because I mean, before that, I mean, obviously with these previous examples we brought up, you know, it was sort of based on the the clock on your on your computer. And Ultima was one of those early games that was like really taking advantage of the capabilities of connecting to the Internet and being able to, you know, transmit new content to a video game. Like it didn't have to be built into the game. You could get it over, you know over AOL or whatever you were using at the time. It did some cool things like players would get a naughty Christmas bag if they were murderers or had negative karma in the game. And then you use the items, uh, you got coal in your bag and you use that for some crafting and stuff like that. And then uh, I think the next year they introduced a more robust Christmas holiday event in which every player was given a reward ticket and then you had to meet up with another player uh, and match them together to get your, your holiday reward. And this kind of stuff is cool because they were really like, you know, we talked about it being a little bit of like a social or a technological experiment. They were really trying to figure out like interesting ways to get people interacting with one another. You know, this is the early days of playing games online. It seems neat, this idea of like giving each person, you know, half a ticket. But at the time it was like had to have been revolutionary. They're still doing it, I guess. Apparently they, they, I'm looking at this uh, list of holiday events for that game and, um, all the way up until 2016, at least they they they've been keeping it up with it. Yeah, they they at some point actually released like a a big update to that game that overhauled the graphics and everything. So the game that people are playing today um, is not the same game that came out in '97. It's been right. it, it's gone through a, a few changes over that time. If I could go back to you don't know Jack, the first host was Nate Shapiro. Man, who is voiced by Harry Gottlieb, who is the founder of Jackbox Games or Jellyvision. Mm. Okay. Um, and oh, Cookie and- Masterson is uh, voiced by Tom Gottlieb. Uh, some relation. They are brothers. But they're, nice. not rela- they're not related to the... this. I, I do remember seeing these names, but they're not related to the Gottliebs from the, uh, the pinball games. No. No. Different family. Same... Different inter- families. It's funny that they work in a very similar space with both having a memorable last name like that. Yes. Now, Cicero, when we're talking about seasonal events in video games, what what first kind of pops to your mind when when I bring that up to you? What 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 defines a seasonal event in a video game for you? So the so the first game that popped into my head now wasn't the first one where I experienced these things. But it was the one that made the the biggest impression upon me was Animal Crossing for the GameCube. Mm. Oh yeah, Tom Nook always had special things in his in his nook for your house. Whenever there was a, a particular holiday, and then if you went into different areas, 
there would be, you know, fireworks for the 4th of July and there would be a non-denominational holiday tree, (laughs) (laughs) you know, for the, for the seasonal, for, for seasonal times. And, uh, you know, everyone got gifts and, and so there, you know, there were all sorts of different things that would happen at, you know, in all of the, the different holidays. So that was, and then, um, it was one of the first games because I didn't have, I didn't have uh, a Dreamcast, and I didn't have Shenmue um, on the Dreamcast. So the GameCube was the first console I had that actually had a clock that I could that I that I really understood and 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 knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the first time that I was able to kind of uh, manipulate the 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 clock to change the times to to experience all of these different things that were going on uh that you know that the the developers had programmed into the game so uh it was exciting to to try all those different things out um by by messing with your your stupid clock on that indestructible little box well now i mean nowadays it seems like it's it's more difficult to engage with sort of Easter eggs and games like that, because I feel like a lot of games now are checking an online clock. They're not checking the, right. the console clock necessarily. Right. Everything's um, phoning home. Yep. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> like in, in my mind, when I think about seasonal events in video games now, nowadays, I, you know, I think of something like, I think Overwatch is probably a great example yeah. that a lot of people yeah. are, uh, fairly familiar with it's not like easter eggs it's like these things that are that runs from this date to this date and your console right. needs to be connected to the internet to take advantage of of yes. you know these things and you know i think what typically kind of defines it is these like aesthetic changes to the world and and items that are exclusive specifically to that event or um i mean right now overwatch is running their archives event which i think was i think it's originally their anniversary event if i'm remembering correctly but, I haven't you know, messed so, with that yet. How is it? Have you tried it? Um, I'm not a huge fan of the PVE stuff that they've done with Overwatch. Um, right. I was actually uh, jamming with friend of the show, Matt Burnside, the other night, and uh, he and his buddies were running through it, and I was just spectating. If you're into it, I think it looks cool. It's just I heard, not I've really heard good things. Yeah, it's just not. It's for me, it's not the reason I play Overwatch. I think right. it's. I sure. think. I mean, and I, I really don't mean this as any slight against blizzard because they've they've put in a lot of like really good work and a lot of people do enjoy that content but for me it always kind of feels like subpar pve content because the the game is built primarily as a right you know a multiplayer team-based game so right. what about the loot? It always feels kind of shoehorned in now the loot is pretty cool so i you know that's yeah. that's one of the reasons i've been that's one of the reasons i've kind of been playing it recently but how about you? What what have you been playing recently? It's got seasonal events, Jared. I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter World. I think we we were playing last week, and they just started up their yep. their spring seasonal event. And uh, you know, classic Monster Hunter World fashion, like nothing's really explained. I'm like, I don't know what I'm what I'm why I'm doing oh, this yeah. or what I'm getting oh, out for of it. Sure. Exactly. But now my cat has uh, beautiful butterfly wings, so there's that. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, I, I just love that stuff. You know, it's it's so it makes the game just feel like so joyful, mm-hmm. and uh, I think help you know brings the player base together in in an interesting way, especially when they have you know yeah. fun loot tied to that that stuff. Right. Cicero, are you playing anything right now that's got a like a big seasonal event going on? Not right now, but a game that that is in constant consistent rotation with me is. Uh, Frontier Developments Elite Dangerous. Oh, nice. Is, oh, nice. Yeah. We, yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, well, you know, for those for those of you who are uninitiated, it's a uh, it's a space simulator. Um, you know, so you're just in the Milky Way galaxy with a ship. You're like a space trucker. Yeah, yeah. You basically, yeah, you get to be, you know, fulfill any of your weird sci-fi dreams. Um, you know, sci-fi space captain dreams in in this game, and they also have seasonal events that are tied to community events that are also tied to the world. They have a cash shop for various accoutrements for your for your ships. So during the Christmas season, they will bring back various types of christmas lights that you can uh adorn your your non, non-denominational with. lights please this yes yes oh please yes yes you're right you're right you're right I, I, uh you know for for your for the festivist there is a festivist pole um nice and then of course what space truckers cockpit wouldn't be complete without a bobblehead yes uh, so they always have various bobbleheads and during the different seasons they will have seasonal base bobbleheads that you can uh that you can come in and find and and uh and well not find but buy uh so because they're all part of the cash shop uh for that kind of stuff but the community events that not only help build the community but have real repercussions for the for the persistent world uh that frontier has developed for for the world of elite dangerous so you, you can go in and you could be transporting lots of hams to a particular space station so that they can have a very wonderful Easter celebration or something like that. That's and if awesome. you don't do that, there, there'll be a riot and that, you know, because of the, because of the, you know, so yeah, so seriously, you know, because of the riot at that space station, all the prices are, you know, in flux or the station may shut down because there's a civil war going on in the station you can't dock there i just i um, love the idea of a group of people who are like i'm gonna get ham or i'm gonna throw a molotov cocktail through someone's goddamn that's, window that's right <laughs> now i gotta right. start writing my yeah. fan fiction about the great ham riots of 2045 <laughs> yes, right <laughs> please do please do. frontier will frontier pays good money for that. there you go so um yeah but you know they so they they really do a lot of that uh a lot of that work for you so that you can continue to role play within this world that yeah it really makes it fun and it allows people it you know it keeps the, it keeps the user base engaged for sure does that draw you into the game like how how regularly do you play uh, elite dangerous and then like do the seasonal event you know does your play increase when they're doing a seasonal event no it doesn't increase when a seasonal event happens and when it comes to elite, I probably I'll probably log on at least once every two weeks. And then what happens is elite is like finding your favorite mac and cheese. Right. You know, I'm maybe, listening. Yes. So <laughs> so, you know, maybe maybe you don't make it at home, but you go to someone's house or you go to uh, a favorite restaurant and they have your favorite mac and cheese and you forget like, oh, shit, man, this this mac and cheese is the best. It's the best mac and cheese. And then, you know, what happens is you, you, you OD on that mac and cheese and like all you want to eat for the next two or three weeks is that mac and cheese. And then at the end of those two or three weeks, you look at, you know, you're trying to put your pants on (laughs) and they don't fit. And you know, you climb up the stairs and you're breathing really heavy and you're like, it's that damn mac and cheese. 
I really love it, but I got to put it down. And, and that's that's where I am with ED. And I just I'll come back and I realize, you know, I've got to enjoy Elite Dangerous. I can't call it ED. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, now um, <laughs> I got a pill for that. But, right. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, so, yeah, I, I, I'll I'll go back to it and I'll play it for a little bit and I'll engage with my friends and I'll have a, a really fun time. And then I have to put it down because it is one of those games that um, is a, a an intentional time sink, but you unintentionally wind up sinking way more time into it mm-hmm. than 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 you'd like. Um, but you, but you know it going in because it's it's not one of those games. It's not a game like Overwatch. It's not a game like uh, the very first Borderlands where you're like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna play for thirty minutes, and then it's just one you know one last mission, one last mission. Mm-hmm. Until you know, until it's four hours have gone by, um, you're playing Elite Dangerous. You could be carrying cargo, and and from you know point B could literally be forty five minutes away in real time. So you you know going in that I may spend two hours playing this game, and and you know make incremental movement, uh, forward progress for myself. And, you know, I either have to determine that all I'm going to do this weekend is eat, go to the bathroom and play Elite Dangerous <laughs> or or, I'm, you know, or I'm going to like be a, you know, a, a like a member of society mm-hmm. uh, and maybe I'll just jump in and fly around, you know, gorgeous space for for a so, minutes. Sounds like a good like really relaxing, like shit. just put on a podcast in the background and just kind of unwind game. It absolutely is, and and uh, you know that community is really great. They've got there's an app on your phone that just plays. The, it, I think it's called like Elite Radio or something like that, where they'll play the news of the week um, from the game in the app. But then they'll also have music, and then they'll have ads that are based on stuff in the game. That's pretty rad. Like this yeah, is and amazing. this is all this is all community built. Um, it is really, really cool. So you can just throw that on your radio or play a podcast or do something else. And uh, yeah, it is definitely a game where you can multitask and just really enjoy yourself. I got to get, is, I got to build really my PC. Good. I got to get a PC built yeah. at some point. Uh, or you can play it on your consoles. I've actually Whoa, heard, yeah, what? the interface is, it, it works pretty well. Yeah, it is. I've, I've only played Elite Dangerous on Xbox One. Oh, damn. Um, I started, yeah, I started playing on the, uh, when it came out for a preview in 2014 or whenever it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 2013, <laughs> 2015, whenever, whenever it came out, when it, when it, when it released, uh, I think it was 2015 when it released for early access, I got it uh, right after, uh, right around E3, they announced it. Um, and then it went, it went gold in uh, October of that same year. Uh, and I've just, I've just been playing it on Xbox. Um, I can't wait. Until uh, I'm going to bring a hashtag subnostication to your show um, <laughs> that I can't wait until uh, at this E3 that we hear Phil Spencer announces a partnership with Oculus um, where where we will start having uh, some type of VR on the Xbox One X so I can play Elite Dangerous in VR. That uh, seems like the perfect game for that. Now, yes. so maybe the seasonal events don't 
necessarily make you play more frequently but it, it, is it at least a component of why you keep going back to the game or oh absolutely okay absolutely absolutely like that you know so not necessarily for elite dangerous because elite dangerous in and of itself is the mm. reason that i keep going back to the game but there are other games where you know when they push out new content or you know overwatch is a perfect example um when they're doing doing seasonal events i'm like oh yeah they're doing you know i remember nostalgia for this game is fond Mm -hmm. uh so why not go back and revisit the things that i liked about this game because this this event reminded me that the game exists and i enjoyed it and maybe you know and maybe i won't play the game for you know fervently enough to really experience or get the most out of the seasonal event but i'll go back and i'll have some fun and that's what it's all about yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly the goal, just to get people to come back and engage again. And yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it brings people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I remember now that why I love this game," and they they continue right. to spend their time with it. I mean, do you have Jared? Do you have that experience ever? Is there like a game that sort of sits on your shelf until you hear that there's a seasonal event and then you get back into it? Sometimes, yeah. Like Overwatch, I am probably going to play some today because I I, <laughs> I haven't logged in in a while, and I'd like to get back after to that it. glowing review I gave. Yeah, earlier. you made it sound so great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I absolutely love that stuff, and I I I was not I hadn't played a Monster Hunter since the very first one on the PlayStation One, and when I logged in and saw that there was a thing going on, I was got super excited because like I, I not a whole lot of games do it frequently, um, but yeah I I absolutely I can't get enough of it. I, I wish it was in every game all the time. Do you guys know what game was awesome in this generation? Was awesome at seasonal events that everyone seems to forget which one destiny destiny was awesome oh at i didn't yeah i didn't forget about it right <laughs> steve, is, steve is huge in, or he was huge in the destiny destiny right. destiny right. one well, for sure exactly and not destiny 2 who knows what the hell's going on in destiny 2 i don't know <laughs> um you know <laughs> neither does activision um please come back, please come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but yeah destiny destiny was was amazing at those seasonal events and you know and they caught me every time they caught me every single time with those stupid seasonal events <laughs> where i'd get like uh the best was the best was the halloween one because you got a jack-o'-lantern he helmet oh yeah um yeah that scared the you know whatever the stupid race was but like i would go back in every single time and get the candy or the presents or whatever it was, and just like I was saying before, I never of, get your box the, of raisins. Right, exactly, exactly. So like <laughs> I would, I would, I would not play those games. I would play them just enough so that I started collecting that stuff, mm -hmm. but would never play it long enough so that I could actually get the prize that was the you know whatever the ultimate prize that everyone was playing for in the, during that seasonal event. But then you know, and then I would log out of the game and return a month or two months later, and then I have. You know, my inventory is full of these damn raisins. Like, what the <laughs> hell did I have raisins for? Like, I don't like raisins in real life. Why do I have these stupid raisins or, or you know, like there was like peppermint, yeah. and, you know, all the all this tinsel. What the hell am I doing with this shit? <laughs> so, um, yeah, but but yeah, uh, Destiny was really really good at at doing that. Yeah, and Destiny was a game like, especially the first one was a game that I was like really hooked into. And mostly yeah. for the mechanics of that game. Like for me, the sure. seasonal events in that game were not 
uh, a significant draw. It's not like, oh, mm-hmm. it's, you know, Halloween time. I got to make sure I get in and get my my candy and my my mask or, you know, and all the stuff that they had in that game. Uh, the thing that I liked about the seasonal events in Destiny was just that it offered like it, it offered a, like a change up, like the scenery at the tower would change. There was some incremental new stuff that you could do in that world. So in a way, it kind of felt like a like a little reward for sort of my loyalty to that game just to kind of keep it, you know, help keep it fresh. And it's not like I would have bounced off that game if they didn't have those events, but it just seemed like a nice sort of like add on on top. Now, I think that seasonal events can actually kind of have almost like a negative effect. And I don't know if you guys ever feel this way, but like just recently, I I haven't had a whole lot of free time myself. I've been um, working some extra hours uh, at work and then this Overwatch event started up. And I have this like, and maybe it's maybe it's just me, but I, I kind of get the sense it's not. Like I started to kind of have this anxiety because I, I love you know I love Overwatch. It's one of my my go to games right now. But the fact that this event was going on, and because I'm like taking care of my two year old and having to you know work uh, these longer hours, I wasn't able to get into Overwatch and you know get my get my loot boxes going and, right. and experience the event. And it started to actually create this like sort of tension in my life. And I don't know if you guys feel that as well. Does that ever come up with you, Cicero, where you're like, there's something going on and you're not a part of it and you're, you're you know, it, it causes anxiety? So, uh, yes, it used to. But but now, you know, now I've just kind of resigned myself to the fact that, look, I'm not going to get the whatever the whatever the the MacGuffin is. I'm just not going to get it. Um, you know, so like, well, that's, I mean, that's a totally like adult responsible way to respond to it. I, <laughs> I, I, rec- I recognize that it's this like weird childish part of me. I know. Right. Right. I, know. I do want it. Right. <laughs> and I do want it. But, but I know like, here's the thing. If you hope for the best plan for the worst, if you're always planning for the worst and you're prepared for that to happen, you don't get disappointed if it does. And you get, you get that extra stoked feeling if you actually do get the thing right Mm -hmm. it's like it's like those times you ever do the thing where you forget or you accidentally put a 20 dollar bill in a jacket pocket oh yeah and then you put the put the jacket away and then you come back in the season you know for when it's jacket season you go into that jacket pocket and you get that you find that 20 and you have that stoked feeling (laughs) like that's you know that's what that is I did that. Right, I, did right, that exactly. I did that once in high school and only that's the only time it's ever happened in my life, but I still remember yeah. that moment fondly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you remember not only do you remember that moment, but you remember that feeling. Yeah. And you chase that feeling all the time. And that's you know, and that's what what uh those moments are in those in the seasonal events or whatever the special event is that's going on in one of these games, it's it's uh you know, uh, not not a seasonal event, but uh the Ubisoft's the division or Tom Clancy's the division. Um, they, you know, they just had their, their new update and that new update made me return to that game after, you know, maybe mm-hmm. eight months or a year. And uh, the update really improved the game. And, and it reminded me that in short bursts, that game was a lot of fun. And uh, so it was, so it like made me want to go and continue to play because they they've improved the mechanics 
Um, they've made it, uh, they made the game a little bit more accessible and it, you know, and then I was able to see goals that were vaguely attainable and, uh, aspire to attain those goals. But I, in the back of my mind, I knew that there was no damn way that I was going to be able to dedicate <laughs> the amount of time yeah. that it would take me to play this game, you know, solely in order to attain those goals. But it was, you know, it was fun to think about. It was fun to wish about. It's, yeah. You know, it's like playing a lotto. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that's that's okay. But at you know the those first moments when you have those things, when you experience those things, where it's like, oh damn, there's a Santa hat that has like, uh, you know, non denominational holiday hat. Please. Yes, right, a non denominational <laughs> holiday hat. Um, with, with, with the white poof on the top, uh, you know, has, has a, you know, plus five buffer to agility and I could really use this on this build that I have. Oh man, I really want that thing, but I've only got two days to do it. Um, you know, will I do it and then be bummed that you didn't get a chance to, to do it. And then you log in a week later and every one of your friends has this stupid hat mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're like, oh, you know, son of a bitch. Yeah. You guys got it. I didn't get it. And, you, you know, just and claim to be like a hipster. Be like, well, whatever. You're like, right. oh, you guys are conforming. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Right. And and, uh, you know, and then eventually you're just like, eh. I'm too old for this shit. Yep. So like, <laughs> like, I got other things to do and I can still have fun playing this game without it. Now, Jared, do you do you ever experience that fear that fear of missing out? I mean, I guess that's maybe more like the I don't know if it's a technical term. It's a term I hear used a lot. That uh, FOMO, FOMO is technical. It, it it will the end of this year. Stubnostication number two. We're getting double FOMO. I actually have not not heard of that before this this podcast. Oh really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's not not a term that I was familiar with, but I mm. I do like I sometimes feel that like when they did the. Right when Monster Hunter World came out, they did the uh, Horizon Zero Dawn tie-in where you could mm -hmm. you could dress up as Aloy, um, and I, I loved that game Horizon. But I was just like super busy at work, and then I missed. It. And like the other thing is like you have to do the event like five times to get the things that you exactly need for it. Um, and so I was I was pretty bummed that I didn't I wasn't able to do that. And, and like you know in the back of my mind where I was planning real world things i was like well how am i gonna fit in <laughs> it's a monster hunter time because yeah. this thing stops at 8 p.m today or whatever it was but they, they, they did end up bringing it back again for the uh the spring event where you could mm -hmm. you could go back and do that quest so that was good but it does it, you know it w did creep into my mind when i was doing things that were actually important in my life <laughs> so i guess it i wouldn't really call it like anxiety but it definitely kept it in my mind which is probably the goal for the company to do oh oh absolutely yeah. I feel like when seasonal events were originally sort of built into games, like looking all the way back at Ultima Online, uh, right. it seemed like it was done in sort of good faith, right? Like they they had the yeah. they had this access to the internet and a way to deliver content to a video game for the first well, I mean, one of the first times in the history of video games, sure. um, and they were using like coming up with creative ways to like keep the community engaged and reward the community, those kinds of things. Um, and they were doing these seasonal events. Now we're seeing companies like Activision and EA and Ubisoft are hiring uh, like behavioral psychologists to work on UX, like UX in uh, the games world is like a huge topic lately. 
this like how do we get players to play our game how do we get them to continue to play it for extended periods of time and ux most meaning import- user experience is that yes that is? yes okay yep. yes and most importantly how do we get them to spend money in this space right there's been a lot of talk this year about loot boxes right this idea of loot boxes being you know, a form of gambling or how they, they prey on psychological weaknesses in human beings, whatever it is. And we, we don't have to, you know, tread that ground anymore. Cicero, I'll throw it to you first. Do you see an issue with seasonal events when there's also things like microtransactions or, or even loot boxes involved? Because to me, it feels like there's this very specific purpose now for seasonal events to get players in that mindset of like, um, like I got to do this or I'm going to miss out. I'm going to, I got to do this or I'm going to miss out. And part of that missing out is like, there's, there's, uh, you know, cosmetic things or, or weapons or whatever it is, consumables that are only available for a limited time. And you got to, you either got to play a shit ton or you got to spend money. Like, does that, does that strike you as, as, um, a problem in, in the gaming space? It's not a problem for me. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, maybe, Maybe I'm a Todarian and I'm not weak-minded and uh, Star Wars <laughs> reference, um, but uh, but I mean it's nine times out of ten I do not begrudge an organization for coming up with with practices and processes that will allow them to maximize their earning income, you know, their income earning potential on on an on an IP. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there are some times where I look at the thing and say, eh, that's a little gross. But again, it's and and usually when I say it's gross is when buying a thing gives the player a a tactical advantage over mm-hmm. other players. Um, but, you know, if it's a cosmetic thing, if it's, uh, you know, some some goofy thing that that will allow someone to get a tactical advantage in the single player version. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, you know, go ahead and make your money. As I was explaining about Elite Dangerous, they had non-denominational holiday lights that they had <laughs> available during during uh, non-denominational holiday time. Um, and uh, and you know, you you the only way to acquire those was to spend real money. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know. I mean, if you wanted to spend real money, and I know plenty of people that did, it was you know it was a nominal fee, and that's always subjective. What is uh, worth it to you or reasonable to you may not be reasonable to some. Um, and I almost went into uh, singing different strokes, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but, um, nice. but yeah, so so you see, so you know, you go out there and and you buy the things that that. Uh, Makes sense to you. I don't. I won't begrudge a company for going out and and doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, uh, have at it. If, it, if there's a skin that's available, uh, you know. Uh, in fact, Fortnite does it brilliantly. Um, I think their model is brilliant for Epic, where they have very they have select skins that are available for a limited time, and then they go away, and they truly go away. So they create a sense of urgency um, that preys upon, and you know, and that may sound predatory it when I loaded, say it, yeah. but <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, it, you know, and it preys upon people's needs to to not FOMO. You know, they, they preys upon their FOMO needs. Um, you know, and their FOMO insecurities. 
that that they want to have they want people to envy the things that they have and they want to show them off so uh because people want that and that's where the behavioral psychologists uh uh come in come into play because human beings have the need to to show some sort of superiority over another human being mm-hmm. um they will people will go out and they will spend the money to have these cosmetic changes oh yeah where somebody that you know where someone will look at them and say oh man where did you get that how did you get that and and you know nothing brings certain people more joy than saying oh it's not available anymore yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely well, yeah know? i mean there's I, there's a lot of psychology that's involved in all of this i mean what you're kind of talking about with the cosmetic stuff is uh is signaling this idea of like wanting you're using your avatar to show off um your your personal accomplishments and what you're talking about also is this idea of scarcity where like something's only available for us for a limited amount of time i'm going to read something here real quick this comes from the psychology behind Steam's summer sales from friend of the show, Jamie Madigan, at the Psychology of Games website. Now, in this quote, he's specifically talking about the way Steam uses their summer sales. But I think it can be uh, extended to talking about these limited, ti- limited time offers in games. So he says, quote, the research is pretty clear that available for a limited time is a super effective sales pitch because we value things more that have limited availability. The reason it's like interesting in video games, perhaps more so than in something that exists in the physical world is because in video games, there's no, there's not really such a thing as scarcity. There's no such thing as like, oh, we're going to run out of, you know, we're going to run out of the bits bits and bites that, (laughs) you know, that constitute that sweet hat that your character wears, but they've manufactured scarcity. So Jared, I'm curious to hear where you kind of land on this because, um, I think in loot boxes, you, you kind of came down on the side of like video game companies have an obligation to um, the more susceptible people in the gaming community, those people who are prone to to gambling and stuff like that. If, if I remember correctly, I think that's kind of where you had come down in that argument. Yeah. Do you see a problem with seasonal events being coupled with things like loot boxes? When there's a real money element involved in it, I think that, that gets a little gross sometimes and it and it can be. Um, but I think that's directly tied to how the game monetizes itself. It, if they are doing it in, you know, a way that feels more acceptable where you can also earn in-game currency by playing, um, you know, something like Overwatch, I think most people are, are perfectly fine with that business model. I, I don't know. Like, if it's just a cosmetic item, it's fun if you want to get into it, but... I can see where a kid, 10-year-old kid, sees that and they're like, oh, I have to have this and I have to have it right now. It's like, we, I think we talked about this with Kim back in the 90s where like commercials were doing that. It's like, come get right. this awesome new thing now, kids. Tell your parents to come get it. Um, and it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's that weird, it, it, I think it kind of toes the line. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not trying to say, like, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm kind of pitching it like I'm on the side of like, oh, these companies are, you know, are like so Evil. scummy. I, obviously, these companies got to make money. I just um, we're we're in a, like a new landscape right now. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, in in video gaming and outside of video gaming, there's a uh, tech companies are doing a lot of experimenting, and and we as you know the consumers are kind of the guinea pigs in a lot of this stuff. 
Sure. I, I'm trying not to place too much value on, on one side of the argument or another. I just think it is interesting when you start to look at, you know, you start to kind of compartmentalize a lot of the psychological tricks that are being used. And, and tricks isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, like getting a cosmetic item brings you happiness and you're doing it, you know, from you know, a clear state of mind, then that's, right. then that's cool. You know, then the game is doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. It's delivering you a positive experience. And um, now, if we're talking about me personally, just fuck my shit up with as many seasonal events as you want, because I cannot get in. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm fully aware that that's like a byproduct of like a gross byproduct of like a capitalist mm-hmm. society, right? It's like, right. I want to have something else that someone else can't get because it's, it's, it's no longer available. Mm-hmm. Um, right. like, and that stuff right. is just fun, you know, like back mm-hmm. in when I played a lot of World of Warcraft, they would they would do their seasonal events. And, man, they were brilliant at yeah, that. And Blizzard, I would have like Blizzard snowballs is, in my Blizzard, inventory for, for months. And, you know, I'm just while I'm waiting around for a raid to start, I would throw some snowballs at people. And it's like mm-hmm. it's it's really fun. It's like <laughs> or I can go back and look at through my my uh, inventory and just see stuff from past events where I'm like, oh, yeah, that was that was really fun last year when they did that Halloween thing. And uh, right. yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that as long as you're aware that that's what they're doing and their, their intentions are working on you, their marketing is working with you. I think it's okay. I mean, I have no shame in enjoying it. Yeah. I mean the, the kids thing, you know, I know a lot of people pull out the, what, you know, what about the children line? And I will, as, as one, I will say to people, what about the parents? Um, you know, we, we, we talk about, we talk about the, you know, loot boxes and how, companies are predatory and, and, and all of mm-hmm. that stuff but but people have to remember like you know a 10 year old doesn't have a credit card a 10 year old doesn't have access to to monies to make purchases on their own they have i don't know i saw that movie blank check right yeah well that's true <laughs> <laughs> that is true you know if you are macaulay culkin uh <laughs> i mean it's not the 90s uh, anymore and, and like parents need to be involved right. in what their kids are doing on the computer obviously well well i mean you know here's the thing Parents can say no. Mm-hmm. I know that is a thing that seems taboo nowadays, <laughs> but you could just say like, no kid, you know, I'm not spending $3 on this stupid thing because I'll spend $3 on this today. And then tomorrow you'll be asking me to spend $3 on some other shit. <laughs> so like, no, I'm, I'm you know, like this, this sounds a little I bit live too with real. You. Right. I live with you. I know you. you know, like, this is, there's another aspect to uh, seasonal events that we've kind of been uh, joking about quite a bit, which is do do seasonal events sort of paint? Uh, do they cater to like a Christian audience? I guess maybe I'll just come out and say it. Do, do seasonal events in video games specifically cater to a Christian audience? Uh, e- even when they're doing stuff like you know it's the holiday celebration or or you know it's the spring celebration. I'm gonna um, say no. I think they're catering to a capitalist audience you know like the, I, the idea that christmas like i i'm not religious but i celebrate christmas every year because i think it's a fun tradition and i think I, I i enjoy the decorations and all that kind of stuff so i think they are kind of tying into how christmas and the holidays have kind of become consumerized and I think it's more yeah. catering to that, less so of you know the Christian aspect but, of it. But there is uh, there is a there is a piece to it that is very specifically Christian though, and and I get what you're saying. Well, like it is yeah. it is it is tied very much to the consumerism side of the holidays. But they're they're also adopting like you, you know the 
speaking specifically about like winter events, we'll call them. Yeah. They they right. typically adopt the you know the Christmas tree and the Santa Claus hats. These things that are you know while not necessarily not necessarily like religious symbols are tied to that specific holiday. And and again, I'm not trying to ascribe any value to this. I'm just asking, I guess, sort of a general statement is, does that create any issues? Do you, do you guys, Cicero, do you see that as like being in any way sort of exclusive to people who either don't celebrate the holidays or celebrate other holidays? Like, I mean, I, well, I come from a Jewish background, so I, I also right. sometimes celebrate um, Hanukkah around that time of year as well. So, well, I, I will, I will remix the answer a little bit by saying that they don't, necessarily celebrate um christian values they don't necessarily celebrate capitalist values they celebrate american values an american holiday yeah it's a good way to put because that. we we are the global empire we mm -hmm. are the greatest empire the world has ever seen and uh it is our values that they're that they're helping to continue to, to disseminate uh, across across mm -hmm. the, the world because it's not like you know, it's not like they're celebrating Boxing Day in Canada and and, and those, you know, and those types of holidays mm -hmm. or, or uh, some some Greek Orthodox Christian holiday or, you know, uh, some some Anglican holiday from, you know, from the British Isles or something like that. These are exclusive, you know, all of the seasonal events when you when you look across. All of the different games that that celebrate those things. It's Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. It's Earth Day. It's you know Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, uh, Columbus Day, Halloween. These are you know like they're they're all celebrating. Sometimes they celebrate like Flag Day. These are these are all days that mean something in the United States. Um, and you know they're not celebrating as as you know to to uh, to steal a little bit of your thunder. They're not celebrating Diwali, um, so there it would be great to see that kind of stuff happen. Yeah. Um. They're you know they're not celebrating spirituality of some other you know some other holiday or something something else that's going on or even even hell even Boxing Day the day after the day after Christmas in Canada or something like that. They're 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 following the trends of the American audience because even if we're not the by sheer numbers the dominant audience for a particular property, we are the audience that uh, you know. Hate to sound arrogant for a second, but we're the audience that matters the most. Like we drive the mind share, we drive a, a lot of the conversations that are had around any particular product um you know if it's sold in america and it does numbers in america at any at any level they cater to the american audience first primarily uh when it comes to uh how they address community concerns there's one example i can think of uh right off the top of my head and that's the final fantasy 11 and final fantasy 14 since those games are like so Japanese centric like that that's right. where those games are made that like that's a huge part of their audience uh, I remember in Final Fantasy 11 they did do seasonal events for a lot of Japanese and Eastern holidays and that got me like super interested in like I had never heard of 
like they did a cherry blossom event and stuff like that. I had never heard oh, of yeah. these like cultural things uh, until they yeah. they were exposed to me in that in that way. Right. And I thought that was like super cool. Like I went out of my way to like look up like oh what what is this actual actually in real life? Well, um, that's the one where they light the lanterns and yeah, I think so. Yeah, to the air. Yeah, uh, and, we, and that was, we've talked about this a little bit on this show before, which is like in, you know, sort of in what direction does the influence flow? Right, like our games. Right representative of their audience or games like informed by the audience did i phrase that right like do games have like a responsibility to try to shape the way that people think about culture Uh, so if video games sort of just constantly reuse this imagery of like i mean particularly christian holidays for holiday events and then like american holidays um does does that create this idea that that's like the correct way to celebrate, or do video games all have some sort of um, responsibility to then expand on people's understanding of culture? So you know, I in my show notes, and you brought this up, Cicero, I put Diwali in there as like a potential right. holiday that I would you know I would like to see. I personally would like to right. see in a video game. Diwali is, um, I, I think it's fairly non-denominational. I know it's like celebrated by Hindus and Buddhists and right. and right. You know, it's it's like a, it's a celebration in India, celebrating right. um, light triumphing dark, right. wisdom triumphing over ignorance, and these kinds of things. You know, so do video games perhaps have some sort of responsibility to help expand people's understanding of cultures? It would be great. It would be great if they did. I would say to to a certain extent, yes. I think that video games do kind of bear responsibility to to. Um, make the world a little bit smaller um, because of the cultural influence that games have uh, and and but it you know but it it would take a manufacturer uh, you know a developer to to really grasp and embrace the fact that they have this level they you know they wield this level of influence and that mm-hmm. they're going to use it to to make the world smaller um, a, you know a perfect uh, if you're talking about Indian holidays and, and Hindu Hindu holidays in in, in particular, a, a perfect holiday that could be translated into into so many games, especially shooters, is a holiday called Holi, which is uh, this is a holiday of colors. So they it, it just it just uh, uh, went by. I think it was the end of February, and basically what they what you do in Holi is you celebrate. By throwing paint on people and, you know, not real paint, like powder paint yeah. and stuff like that. And, you know, people call it playing holy. And mm. it's just just a lot of fun. Everyone just gets crazy. And, you know, you you go up to someone that you care about, someone you love um, and you and you put you put paint on them. And that's an honor um, to to paint them up. So you could basically every game could turn into a splatoon. Where you're just you know shooting everyone with paint. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. Um, yeah, and and that would be a great way to not only um, show you know pay homage to to this aspect of your consumer base potentially, but also to inform you know again you know is removing that ignorance and taking taking some of that ignorance away from from people that just didn't just weren't aware. Mm-hmm. And and allowing the world to become smaller, and that you know, I I work with, I work in IT, uh, so I work with a lot of uh, people from from India, and you know, one of the things that I really love, and I think one of the things that they appreciate about me is 
that that I'm open to asking questions about their culture and I want to know about their culture and you know and it's not necessarily because I want to take their culture for my own but I yeah. you know like I want to understand them and I want to understand how how they're different from me so that I can celebrate those differences with them and and you know if if games can do that by seasonal events where if if you know like you did like oh uh the cherry blossom you know what is this cherry blossom event and what is that about and then you get to understand that when you meet someone who is who is of japanese heritage you can talk to them about that and what what that shows them is that oh hey i've got there's at least one person that is willing to talk to me about my culture in a way that i understand and shows me that they care about my culture mm -hmm. and that and that turns you in from a stranger to a potential ally and the you know the more we can do that around the globe the fewer problems and the fewer issues that we would have about our differences you know it's you know our differences are what makes makes us unique and celebrating those differences is what makes us one world. Thank yeah, you for was, saying that. that that's yeah, really that's well put. I do this. Now, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I, we appreciate your work. Here's a, uh, maybe another thing to consider, and I guess, Jared, I'll, I'll throw this one to you, is d does celebrating like religious holidays in video games, even if they're masked as non-denominational, does it create some sort of... Uh, for lack of a better term, maybe like a ludonarrative dissonance. Like, does it seem weird to be like, hey, come and celebrate the holidays with us. Put on a nice Santa hat and then shoot your <laughs> friends in the fucking back. You know, like, <laughs> does, that seem, does that seem weird at all that we've sort of like taken holidays, but and then like put them into games, but not not had them like affect the game in like, I hesitate to say meaningful way, but in, in a way that seems in line with what the holiday is celebrating. It's. I'm trying to think of an example of a game that that did the holiday thing, and I was like, "Well, this doesn't fit at all." Because I don't know. Usually, it just seems like really good fun to me. Uh, Guild Wars Two, like the one event that I remember the most was their yearly annual uh, Halloween event, because mm -hmm. they they went all out for that thing. That that game was really big with like these jumping puzzles. They made like a giant tower that was like you know, like defined gravity clocks and stuff flying around it. Um, yeah. And it was like super fun, but also it's like you're following, a, if you're still following your character's main story, it's like you're trying to prevent the end of the world also, but first let me get this pumpkin <laughs> helmet. Uh, and it, it can happen, but you know, Halloween, at the end of the day, you're still playing a fun game. Yeah, Halloween seems like a sort of like an appropriate holiday to do that with, right? Like it's right, already right. a celebration of sort of the you know the dark and mysterious and scary and, and all that stuff you know i the thing that i kind of worry about as much as i would love to see diwali or to see like holy in a game is that it would it would turn into like hey come celebrate holy by filling your friends with holes you know <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so I, I i worry uh, that you know like maybe just culturally or societally we haven't got to that point where we can be responsible about some of these things and maybe that's why it's okay that it is just restricted to sort of the more commercialized aspects of of these holidays it, it takes a lot of resources well, to pull these things off and that costs you know obviously that's a lot of money for them to do so if you know it's it does seem well, kind of weird to maybe take a religious holiday and sell try to sell things using it but i mean we've been doing that 
just in society forever. So it's like, yeah. I, I don't America, know. Definitely. I'm torn. In America definitely on that. For, forever. Now it's, it's, you know, and that's why the seasonal events have been so successful in MMO and MMO style games. Um, because you can have those events in safe areas where a person can come and just mm-hmm. kind of pay respect and it doesn't have to involve actually in, in quotes playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. You can just kind of, you can just kind of exist in an area and, and observe it um, and, and still, you know, and, and still feel like that the, the, whatever the festival is that the developers are paying homage to, is given the, the the right type of respect. Now, when it comes to as as it refers uh, specifically to Christmas, you know, I mean, ag- again, it's one of those things where Christmas is is not so much a religious holiday as it is a commercial holiday. But I will also say to you guys, I'll ask you guys, what's the greatest Christmas movie of all time? Oof, oh, Die Hard, of course. <laughs> Easy answer. Die Hard, of course. <laughs> Die Hard is the right answer. Where John McClane goes out and he yippee kaye motherfuckers all over the Yakatomi Plaza. Doesn't he have like Christmas so, tape to, to like tape the guns right, under his bed? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, so like there, there is definitely a violent component of Christmas if you are doing it right. And of course, if you're, you know, if if you're a person who has moved away from your home and you go back home to visit on Christmas, there are lots of violent thoughts. Oh yeah, <laughs> there is a reason that you have moved away from home. So, so you know, violence and Christmas go hand in hand. And, and I mean, as we sort of approach the end of this conversation, I feel like I've maybe come off as like negative on seasonal events, and it's actually quite the opposite. I I like seasonal events. I appreciate the positive things that they bring to games. I appreciate the, you know, the the change of scenery and the, you know, recharged player base and all the thing, the positive things that that these things can do for games. I just thought there, it it does I think bring up these questions, and I, I felt like I would be sort of remiss if I didn't at least ask these questions, and then maybe maybe people can uh, can give us some some of their thoughts. I think one of the things that they could do better is kind of using that opportunity that seasonal opportunity to make people's cultural understanding of different things a little better. You know, they, they, they could expand the, the way that they do. I, mean, I think we already touched on it, but um, you know, again, with the, the final fantasy events, I was, I thought that that was a very cool way to introduce a, a Western audience to a different type of thing. And I, I definitely think that by expanding that, especially with a game like overwatch where Blizzard has gone out of their way to make all of those characters super diverse from different backgrounds and all that and, and, and celebrate those kind of differences and also make it like a fun thing. So get have people think about it a little differently and if they might not have been ex- exposed to that already. Yeah. And Cicero, how about you? What, what would you like to see in the future of games? Like how can the industry improve on the way that they uh, that they use seasonal events in games? What I would like to see is exactly what what you guys have been saying and I've been saying, um, you know, using your platform as a way to uh, expose um, expose the Western audience. Because, you know, as we've already kind of established, it is the American audience and, and, you know, to to uh, a a lesser extent, but still a greater extent, the Western European audiences that the games are kind of built around and, and, uh, uh, you know, information is, is dispersed to. I would love to see them 
uh, use this platform to make people aware of different cultures and different ideologies and, and you know, um, do things to kind of um, remove ignorance and, and make the world smaller. What I what I believe we'll see, though, instead is uh, is organizations just using more and more marketing to make more gross crossovers where I can mm. get my Mountain Dew with my <laughs> Doritos Crunch Bunch uh, that, you know, and I can scan in a barcode that will allow me to get uh, my Doritos armor uh, and, you know, and the Mountain Dew will make me move faster with my monster energy drink. <laughs> uh in you're you know, making me hungry and thirsty whatever right now. The new, yeah yeah <laughs> whatever 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 the game is um so i think what we what we're more likely to see is uh more cross-pollination between the products that we use in everyday life with the games that we play uh in you know in our popular culture and uh the mixture of those uh the marriage of those products with seasonal things, you know, a seasonal sweepstake mm-hmm. or some some other type of thing that you can then use uh like as the consolation prize, uh the turtle wax will be a skin in your favor. <laughs> For me, I, I think the thing that I'd like to see personally in the future of seasonal events is having it be very having it be player focused and having it be experience focused and not necessarily as focused on selling the things like loot boxes or cosmetics and those kinds of things. Cause those have almost become synonymous with seasonal events, but I would, I would kind of like to see your return to like, Hey, it's just an event for fun. You know, like we're not trying to get your nickels and dimes for, you know, for playing this stuff. Um, and, and I'm not saying that they can't monetize certain things, but have that not be the reason that they're doing seasonal events. Cause I feel like, you know, more and more we're seeing games like destiny and overwatch and this kind of stuff. To me, it feels like they're trying to get that money from me. And again, I'm not necessarily saying that's, that's bad on them. I mean, they got to make their money and keep those games alive. That's, that's what they got to do, but um, make it fun, you know, tie yeah, it into make the it game fun. in a fun way. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. Did we get to everything? I think we did pretty good. That, that felt right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna log into cool. some uh, elite, elite dangerous. I'm like, man. I, <laughs> <Dangerous, yeah. laughs> now that we've talked about it, I was like, ah, I, yeah. I kind of want to do some space trucking. Then I, I, this is where I would typically say we move along to our listener feedback, but it's been kind of quiet on the Western Front this All week. Right. I will encourage people if you have any questions or comments about seasonal events or any of our previous topics, you can always send us an email at podcast at gbfeature.com or connect with us at gbfeature on Twitter. And please do. I mean, we've had a lot of really great topics come up lately. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about the portrayals of children in games. And last week, or I sh- shouldn't say last week, uh, two weeks ago, we talked with uh, <laughs> Kim about linear narratives. I-, I think we've had a lot of really great topics lately, and I'm sure people have very strong feelings on this stuff. So please don't be shy. Um, please share that stuff with us. I-, I know I'm guilty like of this. Like a-, a lot of people, a lot of podcasts reach out and they're, they-, they solicit emails and stuff. And I'm, I'm definitely guilty of not writing in mm-hmm. but that is like truly like one of my favorite parts of doing this so you you right yeah. now who are, are driving in your car listening to this send us a tweet we'd no, love it pull, we'd love to pull hear over you. safely to the side of the road please right, oh, right. god geez safely. yeah I, I didn't even think of <laughs> or, that please, or, please don't wait use, till you get home use, whatever you're doing yeah um yeah. i know you're, you're sitting there right, android you're, auto <laughs> sitting at your or, computer at uh, work listening to our podcast just uh jump on twitter real quick and uh, tell us your thoughts on, on yeah, any of our past I mean, episodes and we've said this before, but we make zero dollars off this. 
I mean, unless you count the big fat check we cash from George Soros every week, but uh, besides yeah, that, we don't. Right, that's true. Right. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> we don't make any. We don't make any money. Paychecks, right? But everybody gets that's that. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so we we truly do this podcast for you know the listeners and and the the you know the the feedback is is always welcome and appreciated. So so please don't don't be shy. We love hearing it all, even if you know what you have to say is constructive. We like hearing that as well. That's going to do it for this episode. Before we get out of here, I, I have to thank our guest, Cicero Holmes. Cicero, thank you so much for joining us, man. Oh, man, it was it was a blast. Uh, thank you guys seriously for having me. Um, I really, really enjoyed oh, it. Of course, yeah. It, it had been too long. Um, <laughs> where, where can our listeners keep up with you? Where can they find your work? Uh, check me out on Twitter. Twitter is where I'm always reading, not necessarily always tweeting, but I, that is where I am most active on social. It is at Stubby Stan. Uh, S-T-U-B-B-Y-S-T-A-N and uh, you can also find my work uh, every Thursday on Twitch at uh, 7.30 uh, Pacific 10.30 Eastern twitch.tv slash Spawn on Me the Spawn on Me podcast broadcasts live on Twitch uh, every Tuesday that episode every, the following Tuesday that episode will be available uh, you can find us at Spawn on Me on uh on uh, Twitter and then uh, also discovery debrief at DSC debrief. And at the time that we're recording this, the episode that's available on iTunes for spawn on me is uh, an episode you guys recorded with Latoya Peterson. And you guys were talking about yes. uh, esports, and yes. it was a fascinating listen. Obviously she had recently posted that, that article about the disparity between white, people in esports and people of color in esports right and your conversation right. i love the, the way you guys had had uh, drilled down into that with her so i said it at the start of this podcast and i i told you i'd say it again but go go listen to spawn <laughs> on me because they they cover some some really great topics over there thank you thank you so much and and yeah shout out to latoya um she was she was real she was raw um and and you know in that article if you guys get a chance to read it is very very enlightening um and and uh you know brought some things to the fore that should have been obvious mm -hmm. but weren't necessarily um great great article um great human being and uh she was on a great show yeah so if you, if you haven't listened to spawn <laughs> on me go uh go check that episode out that's a that's a great place to start if you haven't uh, haven't done it yet Right As a reminder, we release new episodes of this podcast every two weeks. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss anything. If you like what we do and want to help us out, head over to our iTunes and give us a review. I want to thank Kyle Clark for making our theme song. You can check out his podcast. This is Rad on iTunes. I'm Stephen Bennett. That's at Stephen underscore the gamer on Twitter. You can find me at Jared Bruner. We want to thank you, the listener, for taking the time to listen to us chat about video games. This has been Game Breaking Feature. Remember, it's okay to disagree. Just don't be a dick about it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Steve. Take care, guys.